0: Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. John 3, 16. It's interesting. Uh, John 3.16, you've heard of that, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The same author of John 3.16 also wrote 1 John 3.16, and although he didn't put the three or the 16, I just find it interesting. Uh, This passage is also talking about that same son and what he did for us. Uh, It says, this is how we know what love is, or in the New King James says, by this we know love. Because he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. And the verse continues, and, that's a, that's a connecting word there. In other words, the gospel is not just one sentence. It is not that Jesus laid down his life for us. There's an and. And, he says, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren or the brothers. Uh, this is the family of God. And so if you've been attending City Chapel or if you've been watching online, you know uh, that we've been talking about love. Because that's what 1 John is about, love for God. But then he is quickly, in chapter 2, connecting our love for God with love for others. It's impossible to just have a vertical relationship going on. There is always, whenever you are having a, a love relationship with a God who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whenever you're loving that kind of God, you will intrinsically you will also begin to love horizontally. You will love people. You will love people around you, especially in First John, the, the, the brothers or the family of God or other Christians. And uh, like we read last week, this is, this is how we know that we actually love God, if we love people. So you, you know that you are, you are loving and you are getting close to a God who would, who would sacrifice everything for people whenever you also start to feel that same heart toward people. You say, I don't feel that today. I'm, I'm, I'm a mom today. I'm tired. I don't want kids around. I don't want people around me. I want to go binge out on Netflix. Okay, fine. But uh, we're praying for you. All right? We're praying for you. That the Lord would, would uh, help you. Uh, because this is, this is how we know what love is. That Jesus laid down his life for us. And connected to that reality is the truth that we also must lay down our lives for each other, that this is how we love others. So really what he's doing is he's, as Nacho Libre would say, he's getting down to the nitty-gritty <laughs> of what is love, right? I want you to show me. Um, everybody wants you to show me. And I'm not going to sing it, but <laughs> everybody's looking for love in the wrong places, but, but, but John has a different idea. John says, this is how we know what love is. And I think it's interesting because, you know, even today in 2021, I have noticed that over the course of my lifetime, 41 years, I have noticed that, that the enemy of my soul and your soul has been working very hard to re, um, reassign meaning to the word love to change the idea of love within the hearts and minds and value systems of people. Now, I say that, but I was born in 1980, and let's face it, love wasn't exactly (laughs) biblical in 1980. I'm just saying I've noticed how malleable, how pliable people's value systems are, given enough time and enough messaging, given enough commercials, given enough... Uh, Hollywood movies, given enough Lifetime uh, movies, sorry moms, I'm not going to step on that too hard, but you know, uh, given enough memes on Facebook about love. It's amazing how malleable, how, how adjustable people's hearts and value systems are. And I really believe that this is the primary purpose of Satan in, in, in the world is to change the way that people view love. because if they can change love, then they can change the way people view God, because God is love. And so all of the messaging that I hear and I read about, and it's, it's, it's very deceptive. and sometimes it's very tempting to believe. Because it's it's the kind of deception that makes you feel better about yourself. But in feeling better about yourself, you start believing something false about love. And when you believe something false about love, you believe something false about God. Which means even if you meet God and receive his love, you will not see it as love. This is why the enemy doesn't have to keep you away from church. If he can just change what you believe about love, you can come sit in church all day long. Listen to every sermon, read every scripture, even if you like. Sing all the Christian songs. But if you don't understand what love is, then you will meet God and you won't recognize him as God. And instead, you'll, really what, what, what Satan does is he twists the meaning of love to be primarily about you, to loving yourself. So that when you meet God, you don't recognize him as love. But when you meet yourself, you say, ah, now I'm home. But you're never going to be home with yourself. Which means there's no alternative. That's why suicide is on the rise, because there is no alternative. When you finally meet the full representation of love and it doesn't fulfill you, where else do you go? There's nothing else. You've run out of options. But the truth is, Scripture is also is, is doing the same thing. It's providing messaging for us to shape, to mold our value systems and what we see as love. And this is how he does it. He says, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus laid down his life for us. This is love, that in, in the cross, we see the love of God. And not just the love of God, but the love that we should have, can have for others. And, it's, and, it's, and it's, really, it's really valuable that we recognize that this is love. This is the biblical version of love. It's a sacrificial kind of love. And we see that in God. We find our definition of love within Jesus, especially within his sacrifice on the cross. And so really, if we spent the next 30 years just preaching about the love of Jesus, it would do us a lot of good because we have, I know I have 41 years of programming of a different sort. And so today I want to um, continue a sermon I started last year on Mother's Day. Uh, I, I, I t- titled it um, The Mother the Mother Heart of God. And so I grabbed three points because every good preacher has three points. And um, I did the, the Mother Heart of God. And so today I'm going to do three more points on The Mother Heart of God because this is what we know. This is how we know what love is. We look at Jesus. We look at God and we see his love. And while there's a lot of talk about the father heart of God, and that's good and that's wonderful because he is our father in scripture. The truth is uh, God created both man and woman in his image singular. He created two separate people in one image, which means if you're looking at a man, you're only seeing part of his image. If you're looking at a woman, you're only seeing part of his image. But the combination, the bringing together of the man and the woman completed the image of God. So uh, if we can talk about the father heart of God, we can also talk about the mother heart of God. And this is something that I've seen just, uh, this is one of the things that I thought we could do for the video is, you know, how have you seen God in your mom? Because I believe everyone here, one, you have a mom, and um, everyone here, your mom has reflected in some way the mother heart of God. All of us have reflected it imperfectly, right? I mean, unless you're Jesus and you walk on water. All of us, every mom here has reflected it imperfectly, has failed at reflecting it at times, and at times has, has strayed away from it and even perverted it because that's what sin does. But the truth is, if, if we look back, I believe that God is... See, the, the, the enemy is trying to prepare us for an eternity without God through messaging. But God has prepared you for an eternity with him through mothering. He has left somebody with you who, while imperfect, while at times even perhaps abusive... While not a perfect representation, yet yet she has some qualities within her, naturally, that 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 he would reveal about himself to you later on. So that when you meet God, you say, "Oh, this is familiar." There's something familiar about this kind of heart, this heart of God. And so I want to talk to you about the mother heart of God. And um, first off, I want to talk about the faithful heart of God. Faithfulness uh, is a virtue. Um, that moms often have. In fact, uh, in Isaiah, and I, I think I should have the scripture for you, Isaiah 49, um, 15. Maybe I, maybe I didn't give you this slide. There's a, there's a passage in Isaiah 49, 15 where, where God speaks to his people, and he's speaking about his own faithfulness. And, he, and in order to reach for an example of his own faithfulness, he, said, he, says, he, says, he, says, he says, will a mother leave her young? So he's trying to explain his own faithfulness to his own people. And he reaches for an example. And the example he reaches for is a mom. That's pretty powerful. I don't know many times that he reached for a dad or reached for a brother or something. But he reaches for a mom to help describe himself. He says, look, I am so faithful to you. I, I am so constant in your life that he's trying to find a way to explain it to us in a way that makes sense. And he says, will a mother leave her, her young? Or I think, I think in the King James it says the, the, the suckling at her breast. You're welcome for that. Um, <laughs> he's, he says, will, will, will a mother forsake her child? And it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a superfluous question because it's supposed to be, well, of course not right? But then he says, even if she does, because he knows that moms are human and he knows that moms are fallen and he knows that moms sometimes do what moms were not made to do. And so he says, even if she does, I will never forsake you. But it's interesting to me that God reaches for a mom when he's explaining his own faithfulness. And this is the kind of faithfulness that God has. If you look at the kind of faithfulness your mom has to you, every time you've messed up, John's raising his hand. Every time time you've done something wrong, your mom is somebody, usually, most people, their mom is somebody they can go to. Their mom is somebody that they can share with. Their mom is somebody who somehow even instinctively knows what's wrong and what's going on. I was always amazed when I was growing up how my mom just knew stuff. Eyes in the back of her head kind of thing. But it didn't make sense because she had hair back there. So... You can't see through hair. But, 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 but this is part of the faithfulness of God, that God senses where you are and what you need. Now, obviously, God's omniscient. Moms are not literally omniscient, right? right? Roe got away with a couple of things. Uh, moms are not literally omniscient, right? They don't see everything. They don't actually know everything. But the fact that they have a sense for what it is that you need. And that starts super early. I mean, super, super early, like, like before you are even conceived. In most cases, women start feeling something. <laughs> like uh, uh, for us, Roe and I, uh, Roe has always been very—I don't know—a career type person, active person. She she didn't grow up wanting kids. Right? She, at 12 years old, she wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to get married and have children. That was not Roe. Roe uh, Ro was active. She was called to the ministry. She liked riding horses. She liked doing stuff. So, so she's a very active person. And so when we got married, she said, I don't know if I really want kids. Right? And we talked about that before we get married. Good thing to talk about, guys. Um, but we talked about that. And I said, you know, I'm not sure that I want kids either. Because honestly, uh, being a pastor, I kind of have a lot of kids. No offense, but it's kind of like running a daycare sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm answering this call, I'm going visiting those people, and I need to check in on them. You know, I mean, it's kind of, and it's and it's a good thing. I enjoy it, but I'm just saying, it's a lot. It's a lot of y'all, right? This is a lot of phone calls, a lot of visits, a lot of birthdays to remember and go visit, you know, kids, and and so it's like, well, I've always been in ministry, and so I don't know that I really need kids either, and so both of us were pretty happy. To just kind of go through life and not necessarily have kids because we're both in ministry and we're both pretty fulfilled in that way and i remember i was driving uh, in a in the car going up to michigan for christmas somebody was had picked us up taken us to the airport down in san antonio and god spoke to me and said i want you to have a baby i said oh man really like it's like i want you to have a baby because we had a great thing going everything was great this is great And uh, God spoke to me about that. And I was like, "Uh." so I said, well, I want to be obedient to God, but I don't naturally have this thing where I want to have a baby, but I do want to be obedient to God because God knows what I need. God knows what he wants to do through me. And so I said, okay, well, Lord, obviously I want to do whatever you want me to do, but I need you to do one thing before I do that. I need you to change Rose heart because I know if I'm like, Hey, God said that we need to have a baby. She'll be like, okay, but, but, sacrificial faithfulness that's forced upon you is harder to acclimate to. It's not impossible, but it's it's just more difficult, right? Because that's not the way God loves us. Jesus wasn't up in heaven and he's like, oh, do I really have to go? I really have to, really, seriously? But no, God, God so loved the world, it was out of his abundance of love, so he wasn't forced into it. Right? It wasn't a, a it wasn't a, a whoopsie. It wasn't one of the one of the percent of uh, the Trojan. You know, like it, it wasn't it wasn't that. This was this was God. Oh, sorry. This was this was God's love for us. But you know, but like you talk to people and they're like they're like, well, we weren't trying, but it just happened. And I'm like, what do you mean you weren't trying? They're like, well, we weren't not trying. And I'm like, that is trying. I don't know what they think we did when we tried. We did the exact same thing they did. Like that's, that's that's how that's how this goes. Like we were in like do a rain dance every night. You know, there's there's no special trying things. You just you just try, and you you don't not try. Anyway, uh, so but but it but it wasn't intentional. So I talked to Ro about it, and I said, Babe, like we need to. I feel like God's saying this, but I don't want you to feel pressure about this. And she's like, okay. And so I said, so, so we're not, we're not gonna try like right away. Like we're just, we're just not gonna do it. And until you feel, until your heart changes. And so about a month later, you know, I checked in with her, and she's like, no, no, my heart hasn't really changed. I said, fine. So about a month later, uh, she's like, I think, I think maybe my heart's starting to change. I saw this commercial about babies, and I kind of felt a little something. And I was like, huh. All right. Well. And she's like, she's like, let's go ahead and try. I said, no, we need to, you know, like this needs to be not just like, you might've just watched a cute movie or something. Like we need to figure out that your heart is actually changing because there is a, what is it? Maternal is the word. Even the word maternal is a concept for nurturing, for faithfulness, for loving, for caring. And so, so I said, I don't know if you feel you need to, like you need, the God needs to change your heart you go from somebody who's just willing to do whatever God wants them to do to somebody who wants to do what God wants them to do. There's this difference from that. And so after a few months, God had changed her heart and she became maternal. And uh, she had never been very maternal before. And uh, that was fine. We had a great relationship. And she was she suddenly became maternal. She suddenly began thinking about things, like thinking about the place we lived. Like will this work for a baby? I'm like sure. I mean, I'll just throw the baby kid right there. I mean, this is why wouldn't it work? But moms like start. They they, 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 call, they call it nesting. They call it nesting. Like it just like before we even conceived Madden. I mean, I think before I don't know. We only got to try for like two weeks, and then I was hoping we could try longer, but it just it just happened pretty quick. And so then we get a, a test, and it's like okay, we're pregnant with Madden, and she begins nesting. She begins preparing. That's part of the faithfulness of God. Is not just picking you up when you fall down. So there is the faithfulness of God that is faithful through my failure, right? God is faithful through my failure. When I fall down, God will pick me up. When, my, when, I, when, I, when I mess up, Mom is there to love me. And some of you have a lot of experience with that. Moms that have picked you up, that have, that have put up with your nonsense. Uh, <laughs> uh, right, yeah. Uh, I could call a few other people out, but I'm not going to. Um, you have moms that have loved you through some stuff, right? But the truth is it's not, that's not the only kind of faithfulness that God has. God has a faithfulness that that is actually preparing for your needs. So, so so God has a faithfulness that is a preparation kind of faithfulness. It's a faithfulness that understands what you need in this season. And so the faithfulness of God is so is so powerful that, that it it knows what you're going to go through before you go through it. And it sets you up. Sometimes he will speak to you months in advance before what you're going. And what he spoke to you, you said, oh, "I don't really know how that applies to me." But then, when you start walking through, you realize that he was preparing you, he was guiding you, that he was with you. Now he's not a helicopter mom, all right. He's not there to. He's not going to make sure you don't trip and, and and hurt yourself every once in a while. But he will never leave you or forsake you. He's a faithful mother heart of God. We see this throughout Scripture. There's a passage uh, uh, in uh, in the story of, of Elisha, the prophet, that I've always loved it's in Second Kings. We don't have the passage in Second Kings chapter. I think it's chapter four, where Elisha goes to this this older family's home, and it's a man and a woman, and the, they've never been able to conceive, they've never been able to have kids, and, and, and the older woman uh, opens up her house to him, and gives him a space to live, and literally gets her husband to build a room for him, and her hospitality opens up the door for her miracle, because while he's there, he says, what can I do for you? And, and she and she doesn't really have anything. She said, I don't know. I'm fine. Because they had money. They were a pretty well-off family. And uh, she said, no, I'm fine. And, and then one of uh, uh, Elisha's servants said, well, actually, they don't have any children. And so Elisha says, hey, this time next year, you'll have a child. And that's her greatest heart desire. So it's so great that she couldn't even voice it. She didn't even dare say it or wish it or think it or say it out loud. And yet God knows. God knows what you're going through and he knows what you desire and he knows what you're looking for and he knows your favorite color and he knows he knows he knows the perfect scenario. And so he speaks to her, he says, This time next year you'll have a child. And she says, Hey, don't 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 make up stuff. Don't don't lie to me. I've been disappointed too often. And he and, and, and he says, No, this is what's going to happen. And she does. She bears a child. She has a son, which in those days is 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 exactly what she would have wanted to carry on the family name. And that son gets older and that son grows. And in second Kings chapter four, that son is in the field. In other words, he's old enough, probably around 12 or 13, he's old enough to start working with his father in the field. He's out in the field, and he says, uh, "He says, Father, my head, my head, I think is what he says. In other words, he had a headache. And so his dad, as most dads, didn't really know what to do with that. <laughs> so he said, go to your mom. Good dad. That's, a good, that's what dads do. So dad's in the field. Uh, son has a headache. Sends, dad, sends son to his mom. The, the son goes to his mom, lays on his mom's lap, and dies. And it's this, such a weird twist of the story because it seemed like God had fulfilled this great thing and done this great thing and, and blessed him and all of this. And now the child is dead on the mom's lap. But in that picture, man, I see so many... <laughs> So many of my spiritual kids, they're in the field, and they have one version of God. He's the one in the field. He's the one who says, well, you need to be productive. You need to work. Now that you're saved, you need to start doing stuff. And it's true. He is the Lord of the harvest, and he does invite us into the field to work with him. But that's, if that's the only version of God that you have in your mind, what do you do when you're fatigued? What do you do when you're tired? If the only faithfulness of God is the God who is faithful to keep working and keep working you. (laughs) What do you do when you develop a headache? What do you do when you start to faint? Well, I would suggest to you that there's actually another version of God. There is also a mother version of God. A mother heart of God. Who will take you when you faint. Who will take you when you cannot stay in the field any longer. Who will allow you to lay on her lap. Who will comfort you? Who will uh, uh, what's 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 the word? Sympathy, empathy. I'm not real great at that. Empathy. Who who understands what you're feeling and is going to sit with you for as long as you're feeling it. Who doesn't need you to be in the field 24/7 to be pleasing to her, but rather to be with her. This is this is her joy. This is what she wants. And the child that she bore through the miraculous is on her lap. And then that child dies. And that's, that's the sad part of the story. But what's interesting is this, this mom doesn't simply, she's not just faithful to, to hold her child while she helplessly watches him die. But after he dies, she says to her husband, she says, I'm going to take him to the prophet.'" In other words, the faithfulness of God is not just sitting with you in your pain and then watching you pass out from pain. But it is an active kind of saving faithfulness. She picks up her dead child and puts him on the back of a donkey and travels to where the prophet is. I think he's at Mount Carmel where the school of the prophets were. And she meets him there and she basically says, hey, uh, you created this miraculous child. Um, Now you need to fix it. (laughs) And so the prophet takes the boy into a room and lays on him and puts his hands on him and puts his head on him and begins to pray over him. And the child begins to breathe again. And he comes back to life. And the prophet brings the child out, back reunited uh, with his mother. And so the story really is an illustration. It's an example. It's in, it's in the book of Second Kings. And Second Kings was written to Israel for them to understand what God is like. For them to understand that even though they had grown weary in the field, and even though they had grown tired, and even though they had lost their purpose, their purpose, their miracle had died that God was not necessarily done with them, but that God was the resurrector of things that have died. That God was the bringer-backer of things that had died. God was the restorer of things that had breathed their last. That even things that had breathed their last, when put in the hands of God, when brought back to the source of their identity, could actually start to breathe again. And This is the faithfulness of God. He is with me in my failure, but He is also with me in my fatigue. He's present in my fatigue, in my weariness, in my tiredness. The, the mother heart of God is, is working with me. And not only is he with me, but he's, he's wise. There's the wise heart of God. Moms are known for kind of knowing what to do. And when you don't know what to do, you ask mom, what should I do? No matter how old you get, if your mom is still around, you're going to want to know what she wants you to do. Uh, Even if you don't do it, you're going to want to know what she wants to do. Because moms are known for being wise. Because from the very early on, God gives moms a sense of what their children need. And so from very early on, this is something that God spoke to me. Actually, when I got a little bit older, I was about 10, I was 11 years old. And I, I was starting to develop a great relationship with God through prayer time and reading my Bible and things. But at the same time, I was growing up. And I was starting to have my own opinions and my own thoughts. And um, they weren't always the same opinions and thoughts as my mom. <laughs> and my mom's here today. Uh, but some of you guys know exactly what, that, what that's like, right? You've been a 10 or 11-year-old, 12-year-old, 13-year-old before. You currently are. Well, to, to all of those who currently are, okay, just because your mom doesn't agree with you doesn't mean she's wrong. Let's just throw that out. It's just, it's just a thought. I don't know. You could be wrong. There's a possibility. I'm not saying you are, but it's like there's a 1% chance. 99% chance you got it. You got it. You're smart. You're brilliant. But there's a 1% chance she might know more than you at this stage in your life. And I was praying about this because I was frustrated, you know, because mom wanted us to do this. Mom said we couldn't do that. And and I, you know, and I have this great relationship with God. And I feel like I can do that. And I think I, and, and I'm praying about this. And, and the Lord spoke to me. And it was weird because I was still learning how to hear his voice. He spoke to me. He said, she's the Holy Spirit. Your mom's the Holy Spirit. Whoa. And I said, uh, you got things mixed up here. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't do, no, she's not. I mean, she's, she's good. She's a good mom. But she's not, you know, the dove. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not, she doesn't just float in, into rooms, like, this is how that works, and he said, no, no, no she, like, in your life, she's the stand-in for the Holy Spirit right now, which is why scripture is so brutally, I think, very un harsh toward children, saying, children, obey your parents, like, there's one commandment to kids, if you read the Bible, everybody under 12 here, there's one commandment for you, and it is to obey your parents, period, You do that, and according to God, you're good. It's, just, it's amazing. It's super, actually, it's pretty cool. Um, but it's difficult because that one commandment doesn't take into account if your mom is wrong, doesn't take into account if you know more than your mom, doesn't take into account if you're more spiritual than your mom, none of which, I, of course, I was. I mean, I, you know, that's just all hypothetical things. But, I, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, "Wow, I know, I, I, I know what's right here. And God said, no, no, she's the Holy Spirit in your life. Because what, what is happening is God's training you if you can submit to somebody who, is, who does have flaws, who is not the Holy Spirit, not perfect, but it, who is different from you and who has experienced more than you, who's been down the road, if you can submit to them in their imperfections, in their flaws, if you can receive from them, then you will be ready when you meet the Holy Spirit because if you think your mom is different, <laughs> you ought to walk with God for 30 seconds. He, he's really out there. Your mom at least was born on this planet. He, he doesn't, he doesn't even have a zip code. Like he's got, he's, he's out there. He's, 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 and if you can't walk with somebody who, who disagrees with you, and if you can't learn from somebody who disagrees with you, and if you can't submit to somebody, because love is wisdom. Wisdom is connected to love. In fact, when God talks about wisdom uh, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 8, he, he identifies wisdom as a woman, <laughs> it, which is totally bizarre for 4,000 years ago. 4,000 years ago in, in secular culture or any literature, the, the, it's wisdom, strength, might, power, those were huge macho men. They're gods up in, up in the clouds, right? And they're throwing down the lightning like they're powerful beings, Wicked people, they were sometimes women, you know, you had Medusa. But the truth is, 4,000 years ago, they didn't put a woman as a strong, powerful wisdom, which the Bible says that God possessed in the beginning, that he used to create the world, and so, so the Bible actually elevates the role of women. And, and, and wisdom is one of those key components. And wisdom is, is one of the ways that God communicates with us. And he pastors and mothers and shepherds us. He uses wisdom. Now, if you've been reading Facebook, you probably haven't figured out that that is love. <laughs> I came across uh, somebody, uh, a friend of mine shared this little meme. It says a woman should never be struggling emotionally. Financially or spiritually, with a grown man laying next to her. It was hashtag love month. And I read that to Rowe and I said, Well, I guess you don't have a grown man laying next to you. <laughs> That's a problem. I'm not laying next to you. Let me lay up next to you and then we'll figure this one out. No, a woman should never be struggling emotionally, financially, or spiritually with a grown man laying next to her, the idea is that if, if you really find love, you'll never struggle emotionally, spiritually, or, or what? Fin- financially? <laughs> no wonder people don't want to marry till they get out of college. It's not real love if we're struggling financially. No, it is. There is such thing as love that struggles financially. See, this is, this is what will stop you from, from ever following God, because you'll meet God, and suddenly you'll start to struggle financially. And you'll be like, oh, I guess God doesn't love me. Wait a minute. No, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, but he might ask me to cancel my cell phone bill. <laughs> uh, you, you, you'll meet God and you'll feel spiritually, I need to hear his voice, I need to hear his voice, I'm struggling spiritually, and he'll, be, he'll, be, he'll give you the silent treatment for a while. He won't speak to you. It's called learning how to trust him. But anyway, he won't speak to you. And you'll say, oh no, he's, I'm struggling spiritually. This isn't, this isn't love. God doesn't love me. The truth is, this is this kind of deceptive concept of love seems harmless in the beginning and actually seems a great reason to ditch the loser that you're currently with because, well, you know, if he was doing his job, you wouldn't be struggling emotionally. And so get rid of him and find this Ken doll out there somewhere who is somehow going to make sure you never struggle emotionally, physically, or I don't know. Like, this is bizarre to me. What guy do you know can live up to this? Exactly. God. But even God doesn't live up to this. The, the guy who can live up to this, who claims to live up to this, is a man named Lucifer. Who says, bow down to me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. All the kingdoms. That's the emotional kingdoms, the relational kingdoms, the financial kingdoms, the spiritual kingdoms. I'll give it all to you. You won't lack anything. You won't need anything. Scripture says, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. God places you in the role of a sheep, which as long as he is near his shepherd, has everything he needs. Satan says, you don't need to be near me. I'll just give it to you. Give you everything. Of course, he can't make true on that promise. But the bottom line is that this is not the way God's love works. God's love is wise. He'll hold stuff back from you that you think you need. And he'll be like, that's not good for you. That's actually, that's actually not going to help you trust me more. That's not going to help you believe in me more. That's not going to help you love me more. That's not going to help you serve me more. I'm going to hold that back because if I gave it to you, you would run off with it. You would leave. It would be a sheep and you would get, get your, I don't know what sheep like, carrots, apple, something. You'd, get your, you'd take off. And we're moving this way. And by the time you came back to find me, you wouldn't be able to find me because I wouldn't be where you left me. And so God keeps me next to him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me. Not because he has unloaded every downloaded everything that I need and, and I have a, a direct access to his bank account, but because his presence is with me. And so God will ask you. God will in wisdom hold back. God will in wisdom speak to you. I can't tell you how many times wisdom, my mom has spoke to me in wisdom. Uh, how many times she has been there for me in wisdom how many how in 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 how many ways i wouldn't be preaching to you right now if it wasn't for my mom's wisdom i learned how to preach from from my mom mom and i sitting down at a table making notes the night before cuz i'm a procrastinator and and she says, like, you know, I, I said, well, I've studied this, and I've studied that. And she said, okay, well, now make sure to, at the end, she said, you know, speak from your heart. And so if you look at my notes from 12 years old, my first sermon, speak from your heart is at the end. And the whole sermon was pretty rough, actually, if you go listen to it. We, they recorded on tape because, of course, they did. And... <laughs> I got to the end, though, and it's speak from your heart. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I have to look up and look at people. And that's when I started connecting with people. And that's when people started receiving what I was saying. Because you can do all your study, but if you're not speaking from your heart, it doesn't really work. And so in many ways, I, I, I learned to preach long before I went to Bible college. And I had other mentors in my life. It's not just my mom. She's not even a preacher but it was her wisdom that helped, that helped direct me. In fact, my first like real sermon, that was my first sermon when I was 12. My first real sermon was when I was 17. That was like I was asked to preach on a midweek service. That's when, that's, that's when new preachers get to try out their skills, the midweek service. And so I got a, And but my pastor told me what to preach on, which was really tough. He's like, I want you to preach. I had had this vision and uh, he said, I want you to preach on this vision. And so anyway, so I got super deep into it. As you know, I never do, never, and um, I I just went on for an hour and 15 minutes, and it was the most boring, awful sermon I've ever heard in my life. If you all heard it, you wouldn't come back to City Chapel. You'd be like, I'm going to find a new church, I think. It, it was it was rough. I, I've never been able to listen to the whole thing. Like, I kept trying to, I've always tried to listen to myself because it's hard, but it's helpful. And that one wasn't helpful. That just made me feel nauseous, you know. I was like, I can't believe people sat. I'm like, why didn't somebody, like, flag me down? Like, didn't somebody, like, just land the plane, you know, do something. But no, I just went on and on and on. And I remember I was 17. I'm like, I'm never going to preach again. That's so embarrassing. That's the worst thing. Like, that's the worst feeling. I hated being up there in the first place. And then when you do it terribly, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm never doing that again. And I, the pastor certainly wasn't going to ask me to do it again. Like, that wasn't going to happen. And so they were like, yeah, good job, Harry. And, uh, like, that was it. And, and then my mom, like, a few months later, she has this idea. Like, let's appreciate our pastors for Pastor Appreciation Month and uh, have it on a Sunday morning. And, Harry, how about you preach? And I'm like, are you serious? Were you there last time? And she said, yeah, it was wonderful. And I'm like, I don't know. And so, and so she, she, organized, like, she organized for me to preach again. And that sermon actually was pretty good. I felt great about it. But I'm telling you, you don't know how many times I was ready to quit. And the wisdom of a faithful and a wise mother in my life said, hold on. I I know you messed up. I know you're not happy with it, but I thought it was pretty good. Let's, Let's try again. Let's try again. Let's try it this way let's try doing it that way. And it's interesting how wisdom can step in. And the Holy Spirit by the way does that exact same thing. The Holy Spirit brings wisdom into your life, far more than what you understand or what your experience brings. Far more than what your mom can do for you by the way. The Holy Spirit can open up your mind, can 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 let you in on the secrets of God is what scripture says. He shares his secrets with his kids. And he wants to share his secrets with you through the Holy Spirit. The wisdom, the wise heart of God, and then finally the selfless heart of God. And that's something we would always tease mom about that she was selfless, because no human truly is entirely selfless, right? We all kind of have our own ways of selfishness, but God Himself is truly selfless. He is truly self- selfless. That's why that's why that's why when John reached for an example, he didn't he didn't say, This is how we know what love is, it is like your mom. He said it is like Jesus who laid down his life. But moms do go to the edge of death, actually, (laughs) to get you out. And then they sacrifice. After you're out, uh, they don't sleep much. Right, (laughs) Manessen? They don't sleep much for days, for weeks, for months. Because every time you move, they wake up. I don't wake up. But somehow she knows when they move. Like you don't even have a baby monitor. But she moved. She breathed fine. She stopped breathing. <laughs> what? 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 But they're, they're... Why? Why? Because there's a selflessness to motherhood. And now not all mothers embrace that, right? But but there is a selflessness to true motherhood that comes along with the territory. And, 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 and I was talking to Roe about this. And Roe remembered how... Her mom had quit her career, quit her job, stopped everything when she had Rose's sister and her for 15 years, I think it was, until you were 15, so 18 years. So she took 18 years off of her life because she felt like when the kids got home from school, they should not come home to an empty house. Now, some of you are working moms and you don't feel that, and that's, that's fine. There's no condemnation, but... But self-sacrifice is when I feel that this is what is best for my kids, I'm going to do it. And that's, that's what her mom did. She laid down, and her, her mom's a career woman, and she loves, so she actually went back to school after that, I think, and got a degree in, in counseling, and, and went on to have a career. She's still working, right? Or she just retired recently. Dad's trying to make her retire. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just the way she's a lot like Ro. Like, that's the way they are. They just, they want to be productive. They want to be doing stuff. But she took 18 years off of her life to be home for her kids when her kids got home, to make dinner, to have conversations, to take them around to activities, drop them off, to love them. She wasn't even a Christian at the time. Initially, she got saved when you were like 15. Uh, So she she wasn't a believer in God. She just loved her kids, and that's what moms do. Right, good moms anyway, and so and so, but this this is what God does. He sacrifices for us. He lays down his life for us. And the implication is now. We need to give what we have received. We, we've received His sacrificial love. Now we give it away. And the danger is that if we keep listening to culture about love, we might receive the love of God, see it as a strange thing, and not be able to reproduce it or reflect it. Because culture will say, um, "Oh, uh, things like I I love too hard." What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> I I love too much. Right, I, I, I give too much of myself. That's what they'll say. I get lost in the relationship. Things and, and, and what they mean is, what, what, what they mean is is like I am I am I am, I'm loving this person too much, and I'm neglecting myself. That's not love. It feels better to say that. It's deceptive because the enemy says, "Yeah, that's the problem. You're too much like Jesus. You're too holy." You're too loving. But here's the question. Has God ever loved to the point where it was unhealthy for him? No. Oh. Has God loved a lot more than you? A lot harder than you maybe? Yeah. He loved like harder than anybody. His love was so hard that he was called the rock of ages. <laughs> that's That's solid. He laid down his life, and not just for you and me, but for Hitler, for people who, because then people are like, well, the problem is I'm loving the wrong person. Really? Does God, because God loves all kinds of really wrong people, really messed up, really messed up, really, and, and he laid down his life for them. So, so the problem is not that you love too much. It's that you don't really love at it all. It's that you see people as a project, here in love with a project, not in love with a person. Because when you love a person, you don't have to fix them or make them work the way you think they ought to work. But if that's what you believe about love, then you'll come to God and you'll believe that he thinks you're a project. And he only loves you as long as you're making progress. And that's not true. He loves you right where you are. He's with you. Right where you are. He does call you to make progress. He calls you to step forward. But if you never step forward, if you never make progress, he will never love you less. Because when, when, when you see someone as a project, every time they move forward, it is confirmation that you were right. That you saw what nobody else saw. You believed what nobody else believed. You knew what nobody else knew. And you could do what nobody else could do. You could reform this person. You could change this person. You could grow this person. It's to your glory, which is why I say you don't actually love that person. You love yourself. You love what you get from that person. And anybody who's ever been loved by somebody who merely loves them for what they can get from them, you will know that that doesn't feel like love. And yet when we encounter God, his love is so different because he's not looking for what he can get from us. He's literally, he loves us right where we are. And his love is selfless. In other words, he's not, he, we don't, he doesn't need something from us to continue that love. He calls us to better. He calls us to higher. He challenges. He convicts us. He moves in our heart. But his love for us remains constant regardless of where we are. Which is why you're not a disappointment to God. Which is why he hasn't given up on you. Which is, which is why no matter how old you are, no matter how close you are to the grave or how close you are to the cradle, (laughs) at any spectrum, his love is always open to you. It's always available. Like the thief on the cross. How long was he going to live for God? (laughs) Five minutes? Maybe? And yet Jesus looked at him and he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Why? Because he had faith in Jesus. And all of that man's life, Jesus had been waiting for him to have faith in him. And as soon as he put faith in him, he says, okay, you don't have to work for him. You need to have faith in him. Hmm. This is the mother heart of God who is, who is gently, softly, nurturing, welcoming, Calling us home. Man, I, if you're watching online today or if you're here in the room and if you want to come home to God, why don't you close your eyes right now and even bow your heads. And, and it's, there's no special prayer because moms don't need special, particular words. Mom would rather a card you made with crayons <laughs> if it's coming from your heart than a poem that you swiped off the internet because <laughs> he wants something from your heart. That's what God, that's the mother heart of God wants to speak to your heart from heart to heart. Literally just wants to hear your heart. And that's what he heard the thief on the cross. He heard his heart and he says, yes, that's what I've been looking for. So this is what you do. You simply call. That's why scripture says whoever calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Specific words are not important, but to call on him. If you need words, When I was seven years old, a kid came to me in Jamaica and said, how how do I be saved? And I said, well, this is how I did it. I said, dear God, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. I accept your, your sacrifice, your sacrificial love. I accept you into my heart. I believe that you are who you say that you are, that you are the son of God, that you rose from the dead on the third day. I believe that you're coming back for for those who believe in you. And I turn over the reins of my life. I turn over the, the controller of my life. I give it to you. For as long as I have left, that you will be my Lord. You will be my savior. You will make the changes in me that you want changed. You will sit with me. You will walk with me. You will run with me. <laughs> at whatever stage I'm at in life, I choose you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you prayed with us today, and I, I, if, 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 you're just, if you're just wanting to come home to God, period. If you're watching online, leave a comment. We want to reach out to you. Uh, if you're here today and you're, you're kind of the same thing, God's speaking to your heart, the same number that um, Bailey had mentioned earlier, uh, you can text the word NEW to five one two nine six zero one six one seven, 960 1617 And um, that'll trigger uh, just a, a place that you can, uh, through your phone, just give us your information. You can, it's an information card. You can contact us that way and say, I prayed uh, and I want Jesus into my life. I want to start walking this journey with him. And we want to walk with you. We want to join you in that journey. So texting the word new to 512-960-1617 is the next step in that. Um, get you plugged into a small group. Get you plugged into uh, maybe meeting with Ro and I about the next step and what God has for you. Um, about being filled with the Holy Spirit. About being baptized uh, in water. Uh, we want to we uh, walk with you through all of that. And so um, get out your phone and let us know. Even if, even if you've been here at City Chapel for years, and you're like, I'm not new. Well, you're starting anew. Go for it. Uh, my, once again, the mother heart of God doesn't need rules. It's all right. We, 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 we know you. We're happy to walk with you. If you're making a new decision, we want to hear from you. Um, yeah, be a part of that. Uh, so to close out our service today, we thought it would be great to share um, just some thanks. Thank you, mom stories, uh, some messages from our, from our kids, uh, un, unedited and unabridged, uncoached. Um, we we uh, just opened it up for people to send in videos and or share things here. I'll move this out of the way for you guys to be able to see it. And I think the kids are actually going to come in the back and watch, because kids like to watch themselves. So... Um, <laughs> No, it's because they love you mom, so much. Um, And then uh, afterward, uh, checking your kids out. Be sure to talk to Eddie. He'll be back there with the kids. I don't want just pandemonium, but just checking with uh, Eddie uh, and the other kids' pastors. And then moms, go over there, get your stuff. Uh, John's already sneaking some chocolate. Jonathan's sneaking chocolate. And uh, be blessed and have a wonderful day. Um, Thanks to Peter and uh, the team for putting this video together. Check it out. my mom because she's always cheerful positive and uh, never giving up on me and i'm grateful for her because uh she's always there for me and she's raised me mm-hmm. mom, so happy Mother's Day. I just wanna take this opportunity to thank you for all the things that you've done for me and my family. Uh, As far as I can remember, you've always been uh, someone that's strong. Uh, You've been there for me from the very beginning, Uh, for me and my sister, and then later on when dad came and uh, Michelle came, you've always been there for me. And for us, uh, as a strong woman, you taught me how how to work hard and be proud of the things that I do for you and for God. And so for that, I'm, I'm so thankful. So I just want to say, I love you and happy Mother's Day. Thank you, mom, for putting a roof over my head and feeding me and giving me life. Happy Mother's Day. Mama, because she take care of me, and she's always there for me. And, and I'm gave for her because Whenever I feel that I can't do things to me back up. Thank you, Mom, for being as awesome as you are and for your patience. Happy Mother's Day. Mom, I, I want to say thank you for uh, putting up with, with all the uh, the fear that I put you through. Uh, having re- recently, uh, have, having adult kids, I, I recognize uh, the fear that comes uh with, with not being able to uh, to help all the time uh, not being able to step in uh, because because now they' they're adults and, and so I want to thank you for uh, uh, your prayers and your tears uh, in, in my absence and I, I want to thank you for for being there uh, whenever I, when I finally come to you because uh, I've, I've messed it up completely. Uh, love you. Thank you, Mom, for working very hard for our whole family, to uh, um, enough money, um, happy Thank you, Mom, for the food that you've given us and, um, everything that you provide us with, and, uh, Happy Mother's Day. She sees me. She takes care of me. She... She always protects me. She... A, she she wants to help me be safe and she wants me to have a good life. And that's all. Thank you, Mom, for being awesome and helping me grow. I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for being an awesome mom. I'm glad you're my mom. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you mom for helping me do my work and for helping me um, match clothes when I get dressed. Thank you mom for just teaching me the ways to go with God and helping me when I drift away and always bringing me back to God. Thank you mom for supporting me and just loving me so much and being the perfect example of who I want to be when I get older. Um, We love you mom. Happy Mother's Day. Love you. Hey mom, thanks for being a great mom to me every day. Thank you mom for loving me at my worst and uh, praying for me uh, continuously. Thank you, mom, for um, helping me whenever whenever I need help, like with my homework or if I need help doing an art project. You always are there to help me, even if if you're going through rough times and I'm going through rough times, you're always there for me. Um, Thank you, mom. Happy Mother's Day. Love you. Thank you, mom, for being my best, best, loving mommy. I just want to say thank you, Betty, for giving everything you had to take care of me and sacrificing things that maybe you wanted or really liked just so that I would be okay and I would be taken care of and have the things that that I needed and wanted. And thank you for teaching me to care for people no matter what walk of life they came from. I hope that I can be more like you. When I get older, older, love you, Betty. <laughs> Thank you, Mom, for um letting me do ballet and change and change gymnastics to um to ballet, and I love you, mommy. Uh, thank you, Mommy, for being a good mom. Have, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I like her eyes. And I like the way she said And, yeah, I'm done. Thank you, Mom, for uh, sacrificing for us and making sure that we were always close to God, for taking us to prayer meetings, for praying over us. Uh, I remember, I don't know, I guess I was five? No, I was about six Peter was about two or three. Mom in a prayer meeting grabbing me by the neck uh, in one arm and Peter by the neck in the other arm just praying that God would use us, that God would anoint us, that God would call us to ministry, and here we are. Uh, So thank you for uh, pushing us toward God and um, for being uh, an example of uh, Christ in our lives. I love you. Thank you, Mom, for everything you've done over the last 38 years. Um, Like Harry mentioned, just remember you praying for us and uh, taking us to to prayer meetings at the noon, noon hour prayer meetings at, um, at Life of Faith Church. We'd uh, be in there from 12 to 1 o'clock and you know, I was just you know, three and four. And, um, it's gi- giving us opportunities to pray, to learn how to pray, to minister, to learn how to minister, um, making sure that we were in church, that we were Doing, doing what we needed to do, reading our Bible, praying, um, all that stuff. And um, so, thank you for that. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Love you. Thank you, Mom, for not giving up even though the world told you to, and for teaching me how to love unconditionally. Mom, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your life. I'm thankful for how you pour out um, your what you have to give on others. I'm thankful for how much you love me and how supportive you are um, how giving you are of your time and your energy um, how encouraging you are I'm thankful for what God has done in your life and how you are not afraid to be honest about that and share his goodness with people Um, I'm thankful for your humility and tenacity and passion Um, I'm thankful for you I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you, Mom, for always fighting for what is right and loving us. Um, You just have a beautiful heart, and we appreciate everything you do for us. Thank you for being an awesome grandma, and thank you for loving me and taking care of me whenever Mommy and daddy were at (laughs) work. We love you. Love you, Grandma. I love you, mom. You be awesome. I love you. Also, I love you. Nice.